Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com, or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today. Welcome to filmandtvreview.com. Catch the latest film, TV and streamed show reviews every week. The views and opinions expressed by the authors and those providing comments are theirs alone. They do not reflect the views, opinions or position of film and tvreview.com or their respective parent companies or affiliates. Film and tvreview.com makes no representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information in this program and is for entertainment purposes only. Episodes may contain adult humor and language. For full terms and conditions see filmandtvreview.com. Hello and welcome to the filmandtvreview.com podcast. I'm James, I'm your host for today and today we're talking about the Scream franchise. Uh, started in 1996 and the latest one, Scream 6, is now in cinemas uh, as we record this in 2023. Um, so Richard, this was sort of something that you'd started watching. You've watched all six recently, is that correct? Indeed, um, yeah. What, what are your thoughts on on the entire franchise? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest, to, to watch all of them so close to each other, let's say. Uh, I have watched the sc- Scream 1, let's call it this way, uh, back in the day uh, when I was a teenager at the end of the 90s. And I think Scream 2, but I wasn't sure, to be honest, if I just saw some scenes in it. And that's it. Uh, back in the day, it scared me a lot. To be honest, the, the first one, especially, so in the first scene, I'll get into details afterwards. Uh, what scares me uh, the most of that franchise or not? Uh, but then, yeah, I kind of gave up, not because I wasn't interested, because I just saw actually uh, the third one. I, I don't don't think the reception was great back in the day. Then actually, uh, there's a huge gap, and then I saw the fourth one coming, etc. Yeah, I think, but at the point when the fourth one was released. I was thinking, okay, that's weird. I thought it was part of this old trend, the nostalgia trend of Hollywood saying, actually, let's try to get all the 90s and 80s IPs back in the screen. Uh, and that's why I, I couldn't care less, to be fair. Uh, but it's like, yeah, so recently when the 6 was released, OIT was announced to be released, and I heard great reviews for the 6 one, I said, okay, let's give it a shot. Um especially because that's what I was telling you and Jason, but uh, found out actually that all of them were on Paramount Plus, actually. 
so that was a good opportunity to actually uh, do come some kind of a week marathon. And uh, that's what I did. Uh, once uh, uh, every night, uh, especially of the week, as I watched the five first ones before watching Scream 6 a couple of days ago. Uh, so what I think about the f- first five ones, let's start, let's start with this. Um, so Scream 1, I still consider it actually to be a very good movie uh, that holds up very well, even, even what, 25, 26 years later, 27 years later. Uh, what I mean is that uh, although it can be funny to watch it with your eyes of the 21st century, let's say for some some. Uh, tropes that you use I thought actually that I said it might be and you prove me wrong tell me if I'm right it might be the most gruesome the, uh, the one actually with the the most the, the until the number six the most blood in it if I use that word uh, the I, I said the first scene I think is extremely scary to be honest which is becoming like extremely part of the pop, pop culture when there's a girl alone uh, in a huge house uh, and there's a guy calling saying, what's your scariest movie, obviously. Uh, but yeah, the way actually that uh, he kills her boyfriend and her, I think it might actually have been the, I said, the, 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 the goriest uh, scene until Scream 6, Scream 6, sorry, in my opinion. Um and then, yeah, it set, set the tone for the whole franchise. Uh, these characters, even people who don't know Scream know about these characters, I guess. Sidney Prescott has become, I said, a character quite well-known. Uh, even Courtney Cox, who was already famous for Friends back in the day. Uh, I'm guessing, actually, people actually also know that she was known for this franchise as well. Um, so, yeah, no, it, I think it was a good movie. Although, as I said... Uh, it's not only an horror movie, right? It's also obviously a, a murder mystery. And that's what I liked maybe the most about the franchise because I've never been a huge horror fan. The murder mystery in the first one is good and bad. I don't know how to say that because I, when I watched it again recently, I remember who was the killer in the first one. I knew it would be, well, we are spoilers. We can say spoilers, obviously, in this chat, right, uh, James? No? Okay, we agree about that. Yeah, so we're going to, just uh, as word of warning, if you haven't seen any yeah. of the Scream franchise, we are going to go into spoilers. We'll probably try, if possible, to lay off of Scream 6, going to okay, the top spoiler, because it's okay. still out. But all the others are fair game, I think, yeah. Okay, t- t- fair enough. So, yeah, so for the first one, yeah, the, the fact that it is um, uh, Scott Ulrich, uh, uh, character, Billy Loomis, and uh, his crazy friend, the two the, the the main killers. <laughs> so it is a surprise in a way. But now that I knew that who he was, who, that he was the main killer. When you look at the screen, the first one, every single time he's on screen, he looks like actually a, a killer. So and obviously I know that that it was intentional because they knew uh, from the get go where this was heading. So I think it was very smart when you think about it. Actually, but. They show you in your face with the killer. So I think that it, they show you so much that actually nobody, nobody's going to believe that he's actually the killer. Um, and yeah, so as I said, it's like the fact that it is the glorious movie. It is also, yeah, uh, pretty well done by because everything seems a bit new as a slasher movie with the fact that, as I said, there is a murder mystery, but there is teenagers doing things that make no sense to me when there is 
a serial killer in your town. You go in on a party until two in the morning, but I don't know. I, I, that's actually a recurring problem in this movie. Is actually that these teenagers are still so stupid that they, they keep going on parties, even there is a guy running around killing people. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed the first one in a nutshell. Uh, then the second one was all right. I will not say more because in my opinion, and that's where actually, in a way, it's smart, but at the same time, it's not that smart. From the second one onwards, the 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 screen movies try to address the problems of franchise, of sequels, of prequels, etc., and they make fun of the whole cinema industry of the late '90s, of the 2000s, even of the 2010s and 2020s. They do it very well, but at the same time, they make their own mistakes, if I may use that word, because in the end, and that's why I was saying maybe it's not a good thing that I watched the Scream movies, uh, all of them in the same week, at least the five, five, first five ones, uh, is that actually when you look at the structure of the plot, they are extremely similar one to another in the end. So I must say that it's not, it's easy to write a movie and it's easy to write a screen movie. I would not be that pretentious, but I don't think it is the most difficult task in the world when you think about it. So you just have to figure out, okay, who's going to be the killer this time? And let me create a crazy backstory to explain why he's doing that. And that's it. And then you just recreate the same stuff. And the sequel, Scream 2, is kind of this. They try to, uh, create something new with the introduction of a movie within the movie that is a, a, a remake of Scream 1, which is funny, uh, named Stab. But in the end, it is, yeah, it is the same plot structure. Uh, and the, the killers, one of them again is related to, uh, to either Sydney or Billy. And this is going to be my only problem with the franchise is this, is that I think that except for Scream 4, every single, and I will not talk about Scream 6, I'm talking about the five first five ones, every single Scream at 1 to 5, there is a relation to either Sidney Prescott, the, the killer is either related to Sidney Prescott or Billy Loomis. So I'm saying, okay, so yeah, I understand actually that uh, revenge is important. But at the same time, uh, it feels a bit like yeah, copy-paste, in my opinion, at, at that, on that part. And that's why I was saying to you, James, while we were joking about trying to rank them, to actually rank the different movie, screen movies, that's why I actually put Scream 4 very high in my rankings. Because I thought that Scream 4 was... Again, the same structure with the murder mystery stuff, the teenagers doing stupid shit. But at the same time, at least at the end, the two killers, when they explain their motives, you can see that the writers then went all the way into criticism of the society. At the, uh, uh, I mean, it was 2011, I believe. And I thought it was smart. I think that's what Scream needed. And that's what Scream what made Scream in the first place uh, put them on the map, let's say, in 1996. It's trying to criticize some parts of our society and it's uh, and uh, the, the problems of our society, in a way, or at least problems in the teenagers uh, uh, of this generation. 
And in the fourth, uh, the, the main uh, character, who is actually the killer, played by uh, Emma Roberts, explains that she's doing that. She's dumb. She's just doing that just because she wants to become famous, literally. She wants to have, uh, like, what's, what's the famous uh, phrase, sentence of, um, of, I think it's Oscar Wilde, Andy Warhol, when he says, actually, that uh, everybody in the future will want uh, 50 minutes of fame. That's what she wants. She's, so she wants actually to kill everyone around the <laughs> around her own uh, neighborhood just to become famous. Okay. And, and of course it's dumb. But that being said, when she's she I think there's a monologue between or a dialogue between her and her accomplice, uh, whoever it was, I remember. She explains that uh, nowadays, uh, through social media, through YouTube, so through etc., and we are in 2011, by the way, I think when this movie was, was released, or early 2010. It says we all want actually to be famous just by doing crazy shit. Sorry for my language. And I'm thinking, well, there's kind of some truth in this, unfortunately. And I would not be surprised. I'm sad to say, but I would be surprised actually if they are teenagers in our world we actually can think about that kind of thing saying okay we're going to do something very illegal becoming very criminal and just actually so we people talk about us um and that's why actually i liked uh, scream 4 uh more than maybe than any of the sequel more than scream 5 or scream 3 scream 2 Scream free, uh, <laughs> scream free. Uh, I don't know what happened uh, with scream free. Uh, in my opinion, uh, it's very strange, by the way, because if you remove scream free, the the franchise has at least decent movies that are still watchable, still enjoyable. Scream free, honestly, if you don't take a step back and you don't accept it as a joke, you will not have a good experience, in my opinion. Because it is over the top all the time. The characters are acting very strangely. Like actually they are almost as a a parody of themselves. Um, Especially actually there is an Afro-American character. And I was thinking that's such such a stereotype for this character. That is so stupid. Uh, The the killer at the end, the ending uh, with the guy who is actually... The step, I think he's a step brother of Sidney Prescott, who actually was kind of a mastermind behind everyone, etc. I was thinking, what is going on here? Um, so, so yeah, I really don't didn't like uh, this one. Um, surprisingly, because it did follow the same plot structure with murder mysteries and things like that, and things like that, but. And it's tried to be also the mise en abyme with being meta, etc. But it's just, as I said, very bad acting. The whole cast, even original actors and actresses. Uh, and they have yeah, bad, bad writing, just bad writing. I just don't understand. There are some scenes, actually, that you can find online, people making fun of the scenes, the action scenes, let's say, when Ghostface appears, is definitely not scary at all. It's not scary at all which is a problem for a Scream movie. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's Scream 3 for me. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll finish by saying that uh, Scream 5 was... Uh, uh, technically, I understand that Scream 4 was supposed to be the beginning of a new trilogy. 
I think that Scream 5 is more the beginning of a new era with new main characters, with the two uh, uh, sisters, uh, uh, one playing by Jenna Ortega and the other, I don't know their name, to be honest. Uh, it's more that. That being said, Scream 5, uh, I enjoyed it more than Scream 6, but we will talk about Scream 6 maybe later on. I think Scream 5 was uh, was a good movie, to be honest. But uh, it started to have an issue, in my opinion, Scream 5 especially. Uh, we can discuss if people have the same feeling as I do, but at that point in Scream 5, I was thinking, okay, we are not uh, watching teenagers anymore fighting ghost face, but we are watching X-Men or <laughs> or super superheroes because... Uh, I mean, I, I don't understand how many times over the franchise some of the characters have been stabbed or shot or both, and they are still completely fine. <laughs> so, which I don't understand, to be honest. But yeah, and Scream 5 for me was the main problem is this that actually I, re- I started to realize that it started to make no sense anymore. Uh, so yeah, I, I, we talk about Scream 6, as I said. Maybe later, uh, my feelings about Crimson and the future of the franchise. Uh, I have a bad feeling that since it's still successful, we're going to have plenty more of screen stuff coming. Uh, and I ho- hope that it will not face the same issues as other franchises where they run for too long, uh, unfortunately. But anyway, Money is the money is more important than anything else. Everything else in Hollywood. So what do I know? Uh, but yeah, so that's my overall feelings, James. Thanks, Richard. Um, Andrew, you've got your hand up. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> well, there's like um, I could say about the franchise and the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I think actually it was also a response to what Richard was saying about Scream Free and what happened. Uh, because there's actually been a lot of behind the scenes stuff with various of the screen films. Um, I guess my personal favorite is the first one because that's you know the one that kind of it, it just if you just watch it as it is, it just it's really good for what it is. Murder mystery, a lot of meta stuff. You have characters that know the genre, but you also have killer who knows the genre, and the whole idea of the was going to do spoilers, two killers with something new at that time. And the idea of, you know, you watch a horror film, a killer's in one space, but then they pop up in another space. It's like, how did they, did they have teleportation? Well, now they explain it is because it's two killers and then they have cell phones now and they're able to communicate. So, you know, it was something new at the time they used the technology and uh, yeah. Uh, that being said, um, each of the, not each of them, but a number of the films have behind the scenes things that kind of changed what eventually happened. Uh, there was Scream 2, which uh, part of the script leaked online. And at that time, the internet was something very, very new. I mean, it was the late 90s. So they weren't really familiar with the idea of, okay, maybe we better keep this appearing online. What, what's online? They didn't know internet at that point. But then part of the script leaked online, and so they had to go back and change certain things. I think originally in Scream 2, they were supposed to have three killers, not just two. So I think they kind of condensed two of the killers into, I guess, Mickey, I guess, whoever was the other killer. And 
so that's that's basically what happened there. Um, but what happened in the case of Stream 3, they weren't originally going to do whatever they wound up doing with Stream 3. That wasn't their original intent. They were actually going to do a whole thing where there was going to be, like, they would find a ghost face killer, but then they'd find a whole bunch of ghost face killers, and there'd be, like, a whole cult following type of thing. Yeah. And I think some of those ideas later made their way onto, uh, I guess Kevin Williamson worked on the following, uh, the TV program. So some of those ideas made their way to that. Um, and the reason they didn't do the whole cult thing and the whole idea of like violent, whatever coming out of the woodwork is because when the film was still in development before they actually started filming, uh, there was the infamous, at least in this part of the world, uh, Columbine high school shooting. And, you know, since then there have been, unfortunately, a lot of high school shootings in the U.S. Now it's like, you know, shrug your shoulders. But at that time, that was like a really huge deal. And there was a whole sense of, oh, we have to tone down violence in media. We have to do this. We have to do that. So they basically dropped the whole cult thing at that time. I mean, eventually made its way in a different format, a different uh, program altogether. But they went with the whole Hollywood thing instead. And the other thing is that they toned down the violence because originally there was going to be more violence in the film than what there was. And Scream 3 is seen as more comedic than horror or violent. And that's because they wanted to tone down the violence because of Columbine. Not necessarily their own choice, but because of pressure of whatever. The other thing with Scream 3 is that they were originally going to go with, not originally, originally, but during the course of development, they were going to go with two killers. And so it wasn't just going to be Roman Bridger as a killer. They were also going to have Angelina Emily Mortimer, I guess the actress's name, as the other killer. Okay. Okay. So they, I guess, at some point decided, well, instead of doing the two-killer thing, we'll just have Roman Bridger be the one. And so if, if, if the film feels totally different, or it feels different, that's kind of the reasons why. Also, I think the other thing is that I don't think Kevin Williamson was involved at that point. I think he was busy with Dawson's Creek, which I guess he was the showrunner for. So he wasn't as involved. So that's, again, another reason why. So, I I mean, given all those circumstances, I think the film is all right for what it is. It's obviously not what they originally intended. But given those circumstances and... The other thing is, after a decade, and they went back to the franchise, Scream 4, they were going to use that to kick off a trilogy. And if you watch Scream 4, especially the end, you just watch certain things, you're sort of like, well, certain things don't kind of jive. And that's because, and I guess I could do spoilers for Scream 4, I guess 2011, Jill Roberts was originally going to survive at the end. I, I don't know if she was going to kill Sydney or what was going to happen there. But originally Jill was going to survive and become like a villain protagonist, ah. or like a new trilogy. Okay. So if you watch Scream 4 and there's like that final scene of the news reporter talking about Jill Roberts being a survivor or something. And it's like, that doesn't make sense because we just saw her die. You know, that doesn't make sense. It's because she was originally going to survive for a couple of more films. Okay. And that, that work out. So, um, yeah, you know, that's why that happened. So, I mean, I thought uh, 
Scream 4 was kind of good for bringing that villain protagonist thing. You know, that was something unique. You know, the idea of, oh, there's like a character that we're kind of watching and are rooting for, and then they turn out to be the villain. Uh, that actually was done, well, I don't want to spoil because it it's a different franchise. It was actually a film that came out a couple of years before, a sort of remake that they also did that kind of thing. So the idea of like, oh, this is the character who's like the victim, but they're actually the, the killer. It's probably been done elsewhere, but so, and, and also because Emma Roberts has kind of done a lot with the horror thing. Uh, she's been in, uh, Scream Queens and American Horror Story. So, it's kind of interesting to see that's how she kind of got her start with being like in the horror genre or horror-ish. Um, so, uh, and and I thought Scream 5 was all right. I, I have my own issues with the current Scream movie. I won't say too much about that because it's still in cinemas. Uh, I like certain aspects, but then certain things just make me go, hmm. So I just leave it at that. So, hmm. So, I'll just leave it at that. Maybe some other time, you know, when people have had a chance to see it, I'll mention more. Uh, there's also the Scream series, which I don't know, a television program. I don't know. It was on MTV in the US. And okay. that was kind of weird because they did two seasons and a TV, made for TV movie with a group of characters. But then they decided to do a reboot, total reboot, and not finish that story up, and then do a third season with a completely different group of characters, completely different whatever. And it's just like, well, you didn't finish up the story from the uh, you know, first two, two and a half, whatever. Uh, I understand that some of the actors weren't available and all that, but it's just like, you know, couldn't they have wrapped it up somehow? Um and uh and it's not really part of the franchise, but I just want to mention Scream Queens a little bit because that was sort of like a satire of this. I mean, I know uh, Scream itself is somewhat satirical, and then you have the scary movie franchise. That's a whole other thing. But Scream Queens, I thought, was kind of like that idea of like, you know, everyone's a suspect, everyone's a killer, but taking it to a more comical level. And it's done by Ryan Murphy, so he plays up a lot more of the camp, a lot more of the humor. And uh, it's a pretty good cast. It has Jamie Lee Curtis, the original. Well, I would say original. I mean, that would probably be like her mother in real life. Uh, but she's seen for a lot of people as like the screen queen uh, for Halloween and, and other uh, films. So uh, having Jamie Lee Curtis herself be on, on the screen queens. Uh, and then Emma Roberts, who was in Scream 4, is also one of the main characters. And... Uh, K.K. Palmer was on it, uh, Billy Lord, Abigail Breslin. So I had a pretty good cast. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I think that the, the whole idea of having characters that are genre savvy, but then a killer that is also genre savvy, just makes things a lot more like you have to stay one step ahead of the killer, but then the killer tries to stay, or killers try to stay one step ahead of you. And it's just like, how do you, how do you do that? So, um, I'll just mention one other thing is that the whole idea of spoilers now is like become very tricky. And, uh, I think with the most recent screen film, like certain things just popped up on social media 
and then uh, I guess the studio would try to take them down. And I saw this one little video clip of, um, I guess, Jenna Ortega and uh, Melissa, um, the actress who plays Yeah, her sister in the film. Uh, they were filming a scene and they saw some, uh, I guess they were filming the scene for the latest films. I guess, not really a spoiler, it takes place in a university. And so some people, uh, some real life students were, I guess, filming stuff with their phones or whatever. They saw them up on like a few floors up and they were on the ground and they were like filming them. And uh, Jenna Ortega was yelling at them, they're like, don't spoil the movie, don't spoil the movie, don't. You know, so that's it's very tricky now. You know, you have yeah. all the dev- devices and people to just go be like, oh, look, you know, I'm just going to you know, snap, you know, Jenna Ortega and wonder what she's doing around here. And, yeah. oh, look, it's her co-star from the Scream franchise. Hmm. Wonder mm. what's going on. Yeah. So it's it's gotten a lot tougher since Scream 2, uh, the script leaked online. You know, that was a big deal at that time. Yes. And now it's, people got savvier. So, yeah. yeah. So for, for people that have just joined, we are going to... Um... We're going to sort of do full spoilers for Scream 1 to 5, but we'll probably leave Scream 6 spoiler chat. If anybody wants to stay at the end, we might have a full spoiler chat, but aware that people might not have seen that one in the cinemas yet. Um, Cody, what is your opinion on the Scream franchise? Right. So, um, (laughs) I don't like stupid like rip-off humor i just don't so i didn't like the scary movie movies right okay but scream was like an iconic movie it was not i don't think one two or three there is one scary scene in any of the movies right but you could watch them with your mates and all you and your girls and it was just stupid stupid funny it was actually and the thing is i'm english so it's a, it's based in America, you know. So like half the conversations we had about how stupid they are, because all of Americans have got all the guns, and yet the second you get a psycho killer in the midst, every gun within the state disappears. And so I loved these movies. I've only seen I saw one two and thought they were they were connected. You know, it was the continuation of the story. Um, and we really loved one and two, all me and my friends, all, all through school, college, university. They were really big. The third one, I don't really remember the third one, so I can't really say it was bad. But that's the reason why I think it was bad, because I don't remember nothing. Like, I think I watched it, and in my brain, it went from being a silly... Because th- I don't really c- consider them horrors. I think it's a thriller. There's a psycho killer in the midst of a no- bunch of normal people in a normal place. That's a thriller movie. That's, 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 that's insomnia. Okay. So, but with, with stupid Americans as the victims. So it was brilliant. The third one, I felt that was where, that's what I, that's what I'm guessing where it went to that silly, stupid, scary movie humor. So that was the last one I watched when they come out with a fourth one. I was like, you're kidding me. And then I didn't watch the fourth, the fifth, and I haven't seen the sixth. We didn't consider it to be like 
anything that it wasn't. It was just a silly thriller movie and there were so many references to other horror movies. I think that's what a lot of people where I was locked onto. The amount of references and silly... You know, like he's almost talking to the audience. He almost... One of the characters in the first movie broke the third wall, although they call it the fourth wall or something, like eight times in the movie. Like literally turned to the audience and was like, oh, you know? So that's interaction with the audience. That's bringing us in to that comical... We know what's going to happen. You know, you hear the scary movie don't tell someone you're going to come back later or i'll see you in a minute because you won't do so and that was a lot of it the references it was like what was the other movie they did a lot of references um with uh the guy that plays the superhero i can't remember either way it doesn't make a difference but yeah really good i liked them and i'm going to watch them all tonight cool cool thank you cody uh mark how are you? Uh, I'm good. You? Hi, everyone. How's it going? Everyone Everyone good? Good to see everyone. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, good, Richard. Hi. Hi, James, as well. Um, hello, guys. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think the thing that um, I haven't really got much to say on Scream, only because um, I like well, partly what Cody was saying. I don't, I, I sort of remember the first one. I watched a little bit of six. Um, I have got six recorded and I watched a little bit of six, just, just clips because it caught my attention on YouTube. Um, the thing I like probably, or the thing um, was something that C- Cody allo- alluded to that I um, noticed with Scream is like what Cody said, how much of a phenomenon it was in that there was copycat, so many copycat films, like the comedy elements of, you know, scary movie. And then things like, I know what you did last summer and films like that, which came out around the same time, which were clearly sort of influenced by, by Scream. Um, I think the thing I like about Scream is looking back on it now is the meta sort of um, aspect of it, where you've got the two film buffs who, you know, kind of um, in the film are kind of referencing scary films uh in terms of trying to trace the killer the killers um so yeah that's probably you know what is quite good i think it it kind of came along at a time when the horror genre really needed reinventing didn't it i mean like i i'm not a big horror fan but um you know and it kind of spawned a lot of in the 2000s a lot of kind of that that genre of teenagers you know sort of young american teenagers who kind of um go off in the wrong direction like films like cabin fever and things like that and there's that one with that australian killer um which i forget the name of now but um i think it's called walkabout or something like that but all these films kind of you can clearly see that influence that scream uh scream had so um yeah i mean they they're just iconic aren't they like what cody says in that they've spawned you know comedy spin-offs they've spawned sort of copycat films um yeah so you know they're 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 um they're iconic. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Thanks, Mark. Um, Anita, hello. What is your opinion on the uh, Scream franchise? Um. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't seen any since two thousand. So um, yeah, I'm going on memory here. So this is quite a long time ago. Um. Right. So yeah. Um. I'm was quite surprised that I really enjoyed Screen 1. It, I remember it definitely being my favourite. Um, I don't think it was quite scary. I was watching Screen 1 on my own, and the beginning I found very scary. Um, yeah, so then I got to, uh, I think uh, Screen 3 was about 2000. Um, 
In 2004, I lived in Canada for a while, and uh, the only TV channels we could get, even in that day and age, were true crime channels. That's when I really, really got into true crime, as most of you know, it's one of my favourite genres, if not my favourite. And uh, I didn't realise, I was finding out all things about Zodiac, about In Cold Blood, which Truman Capote, very famous TV series, films, books, both of those. Um, and I didn't realise that Scream was actually based on uh, the murder of five students over four days in 1990 by uh, the killer was Daniel Rowling, who was finally executed in 2006. So Scream 3 was uh, 2000. When I realised that in 2004, I thought... I find this distasteful now. I find it really awful that this slasher style um, film was made based on a true story. It's really horrific. Five students over four days. Um, so it put me off. Um, but am I? But do I want to go back? Am I curious now? Because I've forgotten all about them. Uh, didn't realise probably like Cody, that there was a, a, a six. I've completely lost track of them. Am I curious? Do I want to see them? Actually, yes, I really do. So if we ever do another evening and another update, I'll let you know what I think of the other three. But that's, that is what put me off. I thought it was just a bit distasteful because even things like Psycho, anything to do with Zodiac, anything to do in Cold Blood, it's not done in that style. Um, and it's interesting because Andrew said about Columbine, which is actually 99. Um, and then, as we said, Scream 3 was 2000. Um, so, so it's interesting, you know, when you do think of things from the actual real life perspective. Um, anyway, yeah. As I said, though, when I saw, first saw Scream 1 in 1996, I really, really did like it. So I am ending there on a positive note. Um, thank you. Alfonso, are you there? You're not on camera, but he's just yeah. unmuted himself. Your opinion on screen? Oh, well, I'm, I consider myself sort of a fan until I heard Andrew. <laughs> um, I, I really have enjoyed this franchise, not so much in the beginning, I really appreciated the first movie, but it was very scary when I saw it. Um, and yeah, I think my favorites are the first and the second movie. But I don't know if it's because they were new at the time and they were something like, because it's like, you know, uh, they comment on the genre. It was very something that you hadn't seen before. It was a genre that was ripe for parody in a sense. And Kenny Williamson really was the, the 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 genre in the '90s. He did the slashers, the this one, and the I know what you did last summer, who which defined the '90s, and also even the the cinephilia like um, of also being the creator of Kevin uh, of sorry of Dawson's Creek, which is all about movies as well. So it's like shows and films that command, I mean, they talk about movies and they also love film at the same time. And it's, uh, and they are smart and they, I don't know, it was, it was cool. All that 
Kevin Williamson universe and after that Vampire Diaries. Like he he can he has a very good command of plotting. Uh, he he does a lot of twists also in his TV shows and he can do also romance with Dawson's Creek. It's, it was great. Then Screen Three wasn't he was in the script and it shows. And uh, the new well, Screen Four. He I think he returned for Screen Four, and and it was interesting the the twist of the end. How it was, I mean, nicely done. But at the same time, I thought it was, I don't know, like, well, it's like, I remember it wasn't very successful at the box office. And I was sad because I thought the Scream franchise was over. And then but then they rebooted, as they usually do, with um, Jenna Ortega and Lisa Barrera, which I think they fit their characters very well. Because... One is more uh, does very well the the face acting, and the other one is has a very <laughs> a quiet face, let's say. <laughs> and they also always always play with this kind of a daughter of a killer with that, but can also play very well the action. For that same reason, Melissa Barrera can play very well the action gal like Sigourney Weaver alien style she can go against any killer uh, and I also saw a little bit the TV show I abandoned it abandoned it because it was I don't know not very engaging to me and but overall I think I will watch this franchise until the end of time. This is one of those things that I really like. It talks about movies. It has many twists. It's funny. It uh, has so many elements that I like. And it and it was scary at the beginning. I, I even had nightmares with this. With this when when I first saw the first movies, I didn't find it very funny. Like the first scene with Drew Barrymore was totally violent. Totally, yeah. and I also. I also um, also these movies play a lot with connect with the feeling of being alone and scared, scared and like yeah that kind of like it's not the same as if it's like again to my taste. Um, this is like this kind of quick chasing person, the killer in 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 scary movies, not like a, a one of those killers that just goes like. Uh, um Halloween that goes he goes so slow this guy or whoever is behind the mask in each as, as installment they run so fast and they are they and in the beginning it was it was when the Drew Barrymore scene came it was so fast so it, you 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 felt like it could be anywhere and and it, it felt like real danger it felt like um, like this, this, this guy went really for it. It wasn't like doom and gloom and inevitability. In, in, in so it, it kind of felt like she could escape. And yeah, that's a, that's a master. I mean, it's a, it's a classic. The first one and even the second one to me are classics. So 
Yeah, I also it also happened that in the first one I had I I was going to the cinema I was going to go to the to the movies with a group of friends and they cannot ditch me and so I I I also saw it in a in a state of mm, not the very a very good mood and I think also that all uh, what made it even more a little bit more disturbing in a sense. So yeah, yeah, I I enjoy both, but I think as as everything, it gets a little bit old after six installments of the same thing, even though there are still, in the last in this last movie, uh, Scream Six, I found some scenes also kind of like, let's say disturbing or or with real danger, and in some other scenes it felt like. Like nothing mattered, <laughs> so it was like it, it went. It went very, very much from one place to the other, and it it reminded me of like previous, like the yeah, the first ones. And I guess that's why it also has very good, a very good grade because it kind of has a little bit that of like some scenes are very serious and some scenes are more like fun. So that would be it. Yeah, I think we've talked a lot about Drew Barrymore. The thing now is that the first film is so memorable, and I found this re-watching Scream 1, is I might not have even seen it this millennium, right? And I, the, every scene, I remembered so much about it. And it's not like a film that I, I watched over and over again. I think I'd only seen it two, maybe three times. But it, it really, you know, you remember so much about it. Very memorable opening scene, but obviously... The publicity that come out, there were two um, posters and one was just a woman with a hand over her face and it said scream. And the other one had the the main cast. But actually, Drew Barrymore was being the, the, the household name of the cast at the time was kind of the one that you looked at the most. And they do the thing, you know, that psycho thing of killing off who you assume is going to be maybe the main character. But they don't even leave it like half an hour into the film. It's like in the first 10, 10 minutes. So it's very, it's a very sort of scary opening, which I think it has to be. Yeah. This, and also, that, sorry. No, you're, you're also like, uh, it, it also feels like she might, at least the parents can, can, will see what it's happening and they don't. And it's like, it's, it's really well constructed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Roger Jackson, of course, does the voice as he does throughout all all six installments. And I think did return to the TV. I haven't seen the TV show, but they did bring him on board for the last series. I think they got an impressionist for for the first one. So he's he's a bit of continuity between the installments as well. They've always got this thing of having to to balance the humor and the horror. And I think in three, there's just a little bit too much horror. Uh, a little bit too much humor, sorry, that it kind of undermines the scariness of it. Um, and it, it's far more, it's almost like they're patting themselves on the back with all, all the meta gags and stuff. And you've got cameos from people like Kevin Smith and Carrie yeah. Fisher, which th- they, they would be funnier if it was a better movie. But I think by the time they turn up, you're kind of like, this one's not working for some reason. And, and I can't work out why. Also, um, certainly, in Hollywood was so meta. It's mm. uh, it takes you out of the reality. It's it makes you feel there too much that you're in a movie. 
yeah absolutely i think that's the balance they they're trying to to walk with it i mean um i did re-watch wes craven's new nightmare as well which he did in 1994 um and that is a very meta film so the idea of that film is uh the cast from the original nightmare on elm street are filming a sequel but freddy is kind of coming to life and kill it freddy krueger is coming to life and killing people in in the cast and and people on the crew and Wes Craven plays himself in that um as there's uh, one of the studio execs and it, it's very meta and you can sort of see the seeds for uh for Scream a little bit in that and particularly Scream 2 when they introduce the idea that Stab is now a franchise within the Scream franchise um I really like in the new two that they've done five and six that I, I sort of really believe in the the two new protagonists, um, and I really feel like when they're in danger, I'm I'm kind of scared for them. And it, I agree with Richard. I don't think it's just that you saw it in the cinema, Richard. I think they have kind of cranked the the horror up a bit to just make it a little bit scarier. Um, especially especially the first scene. I think again, like the first one, like the first one. I think the the very long scene before. The title appears in Scream 6, for me, is extremely scary, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I did... This isn't really... Um, oh, no, it is a spoiler, so I'll, I'll stay off it for a while. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know if anyone's got anything else they want to say about Scream at all. Uh, I have an Easter egg. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. but I, Because you mentioned Nightmare on M Street. Am I wrong to say that there is a street in Woonsboro called M Street? Yes, there's El- or there's Elm something, isn't there? Yeah, I noticed that at one scene. I was thinking, okay, that's funny. To be honest. Okay, okay. There is there is a scene as well which I did. Maybe I, it just went over my head the first time I watched it. But um, the Fonz is the the headmaster, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry Winkler, yeah, Henry Winkler, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and he, someone disturbs him at the school, and he looks outside and says you know, who made that noise? And a janitor looks up and says something. And he says, yeah. don't worry, Fred. And Fred has like a um, striped shirt like Freddy Krueger as well. Yeah. It's not Robert England, but it's clearly a, a, a nod towards that, yeah. isn't it? Um, but it, 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 that's sort of really well balanced, I think, because the fact it probably went over my head the first time and then the second. And I think in the fifth one, there's some stuff as well that that's just quite well well delivered there's a bit where um i forgot the actor's name but huey from the boys is like watching the stab franchise catching up with yeah. it and he says this whole franchise falls apart at number five oh you mean jack quaid yeah yeah jack yeah. quaid so yeah, yeah. so li- little things like that i think really good yeah there, there's actually a lot of the things the names too like like you may have already mentioned like Loomis reference to uh psycho and and halloween Halloween. Or having the Carpenter sisters, like John Carpenter. So a lot of things with the names uh, yeah. or just other little things, little tidbits that are kind of like nods to other horror franchises. E- even um, the start of Scream 1, when Drew Barrymore's on the phone and has the initial What's Your Scary Movie conversation, she says, uh, I like the fact the Nightmare on Elm Street films, but only the first one's good, which of course is only the first one's the only one that Craven did. If you discount New Nightmare, which is kind of like a, a spin-off thing, so yeah, there, there's there's probably 
videos on YouTube like assembling all these Easter eggs, but there's a lot. There really is. Um, uh, can we talk about something else before we move to screen six? Yeah, I have a, a little thing to add. Uh, we didn't, I mean, obviously the two main original characters are um, played by Neff Campbell and Courtney Cox. Uh, but actually there's a third one. Uh, and it's fine because it's within the five, first five movies, so we yeah. can talk about it. Uh, obviously, if I'm not mistaken, until Scream franchise, I'm not sure that David Arquette had a very successful career, to be honest. I'm, I'm not an expert, but I don't think actually, but except for the role of um, Dewey, I'm not sure that he was, he has a huge amount of popular roles in his filmography. Well, well his family is famous. But, yeah. His family is famous, yeah, of course, but... Uh, uh, but I think David Arquette is, uh, I mean, his character, not him, him. Uh, I mentioned that to James uh, the other day. Uh, I think that, unfortunately for him, in the first three or four movies, uh, his character is, I mean, he's just useless. <laughs> he's, he's, the most yeah. useless <laughs> he's the most useless policeman in the world. Uh, he's, he's weak. He's always scared. And for some reason, he always survives. Uh, I, I was saying that he becomes Superman actually is a counterexample of my theory because, I mean, he's been stabbed and shot in every single movie. In the end, in the fifth one, where actually I believe that actually he was maybe given his best performance because his character was much more interesting because he was like a broken guy, which makes sense, by the way, because when you think about it, it's surprising that neither Courtney Cox's character nor Neff Campbell's character didn't have more, uh, what's the, the word, PTSD? or <laughs> Yeah, they don't have that, do they? Like yeah. like Jamie Lee Curtis in the new Halloweens or something. Yeah. They I mean, when you have... survive four times or something like that, you should actually have issues that stay all your life. He definitely has them at the beginning of the fifth one and is showing up to actually to protect the new generation. He's, he's facing dead-on ghost face. He dies. That's what I'm saying. But actually, we can talk about it because it's within Scream 5. Uh, but he dies like, I'm going to speak like a very young guy, like a, like a very, uh, like a G or whatever, like a, like a very, actually, very uh, 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 cool character, very brave one. Uh, and in a way, not only redeems his character, but I think he almost redeemed the character development for the four previous movies in a way. Because, yeah, I said, you know, <laughs> I, I saw a video online of a guy joking around the number of times that Dewey falls in screen two and screen three. He falls every time. I, I know that he is a bit injured from the first movie, but still, he looks like an idiot all the time because he's useless. He's trying to protect Courtney Cox, and every time he fails or he just saved her by chance. But in the fifth one, yeah, he is definitely the, almost the hero of the story. So, yeah. I, I thought it was a very good uh, note to, to end his, uh, his character. It's funny how David Arquette has been working consistently. Like he's in 142 productions, according to INDB, and I am watching what he has done. Really? I mean, what I, like, yeah, like he, he was working consistently throughout the years and in stuff that nobody watches, maybe Mark, <laughs> I don't know. Like, nobody watches these things. But it's his, his, yeah, every every year, two or three or four things. 
Okay. Mark, you've got your hand up. Do you think Dewey dies like a G? Well, yeah. <laughs> well I'm interested. Richard, I think Richard makes a really interesting point in that I never thought about it into what Richard was saying. I think uh, Dewey does kind of um, personify sort of tropes, police officer tropes in, you know, in these kind of films. You've always got a few tropes with police officers, right? You've always got the the sort of chief, you know, in these small town, American small town things where there's there's always like a sheriff and a deputy or like a couple of deputies and the sheriff's all usually overweight balding you know sort of middle-aged uh white guy who's seen it all is like a bit bit miserable usually so that's one you know and, and then dewey's sort of the other type of trope of the young guy the young sort of deputy type who's a bit inexperienced but kind of also quite um you know um enthusiastic uh kind of may die you know, in some of these films, but it's interesting. Yeah. To what, what Richard says, because I hadn't really thought about it until he said that. And I, I do remember obviously in, um, in scary movie, there's the trope of like when they're showing the pictures, um, yeah. that, you know, sort of the more experienced police officer, I, I'm guessing that's in scream. It must be if it's based on it, but yeah, do you, I guess he personifies that kind of, um, trope of like, uh, the, the sort of younger, I mean, I think of someone else I think of just off of my head, been in that kind of role is in Rambo. Um, David, um, oh, what's his second name? Uh, he's in CSR Miami now, but he's like the young uh, police officer in that who kind of um, personifies that kind of young police officer who's enthusiastic in a small town type uh, type of yeah trope. But it's interesting. I mean, I, I kind of remember the character from Scary Movie as well, Special Officer Doofy, um, Doofy. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, you know is is quite quite funny but yeah i mean it's just it's interesting isn't it how how those films kind of had some of those tropes in them yeah yeah i think um i mean you've you've obviously got courtney cox in the the first two and friends started in 1995 i can't remember now if friends was an instant hit or if it took a series to to catch on and i can't remember if it 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 was as big in the UK at exactly the same time as the US because there'd often be a delay or things that were hit in the US would suddenly get exported to us. But that her style of comedy from Friends is definitely in those early movies. One of the few, very few things that I don't like about Five, actually, or I think jars slightly, is Courtney Cox still doing that style of humour and it, it doesn't seem to be quite as like in the mix it sort of stands out a little bit um but the thing in two that i'm not sh- i'm really not sure about is there's there's jokes about some of her co-stars but obviously these are oh, made yeah. by the character so there's a joke about jennifer aniston and david schwimmer is meant to have been in the first stab movie yeah. and it's a little bit like this this isn't a spoiler trust me but in creed three there's a moment when they're playing a rap song and there's a very clear lyric about Wakanda in it. And it sort of just threw me very momentarily out of the movie. Cause I'm like, well, hang on. This is, you know, like we've got the same director who is in that, that film, Michael B. Jordan, but, but it's so brief that, and it's from a song that it kind of doesn't matter too much. I know they're deliberately doing that in screen, but some of those things like, and I think screen two is good enough that it, it kind of gets away with it. I think if they were doing that all the time in Screen 3, and I think they do mention David Schwimmer again, it just feels a little bit overly meta. 
yeah. because you're suddenly going, well, hang on, that person's famous from Friends, but she's in that, and it's just it's a, it's a little bit too much. But I think it really probably helped those early films to have the juxtaposition of the horror and the comedy because a lot of these these sort of slashes had died out. You know, you'd had really good ones in the seventies, eighties, and then a lot of them were sort of increasingly get, going very fast to VHS. Um, and obviously we were mentioning things like, I know what you did last summer, but Halloween got a, a fresh reboot sort of just a few years after Scream. And then there's Halloween Resurrection, which isn't thought of particularly well, but thinking about it now where that took place a few years after the original Scream trilogy. So I think Halloween Resurrection came out in 2002. You know, it's all teenagers and it's about, reality tv and there's a lot of jokes in it which i don't think really fit with the halloween franchise but i'm sure they they were looking to try and make it a little bit like that and even i think something like final destination in a way it's not really a a slasher in a way although i suppose death is death is the killer and it's going to get you and there's a added layer of different ways that people are dispatched but it's definitely got that the juxtaposition of the humor and the the horror side by side which seemed to really work and I think Wes Craven had just really tapped into the audiences were getting very familiar with the way these films worked so rather than pretend that they weren't kind of embrace that and go okay let's try and throw some meta layers on this to try and you know just screw with people's heads a little bit more uh Mark well, just thinking of something you mentioned there, James, uh, only on the top of my head. Of course, a couple of films, they're not very good, but kind of took that idea. Because I was thinking about, as you're talking, I was thinking about different genres and things that, you know, sci-fi was one. I thought, you know, Alien, Predator, and of course, the Alien versus Predator, I think it was the second one, kind of took that that element of high school teens and all that kind of thing. And, you know, it's in that small town. There's a bit when... I think an alien jumps in a pool and there's loads of sort of, you know, teenagers messing around in a pool. It's not not really what you want to see from a Predator Alien film. But um, but yeah, of course, there is there is that as well. So that seems to be a common theme, doesn't it? Like 20 year old Americans who are playing teenagers um, in a film kind of like going into some situation that they shouldn't with uh, some kind of killers become a very popular kind of um, uh, trope, should we say, in films. And of course, Cabin in the Woods is a good example of doing that with probably quite a good sort of like twist and things, but yeah. And I, I did watch, since you mentioned scary movie, Mark, I did watch that cause I'd never seen it before. Um, I've got to say, I did laugh a lot. It's currently on Netflix. I think only for a couple more, couple more days. Um, it's, it's one of those things though. It's 20, it's nearly 25 years old. It, I think it came out like a few, a matter of months after screen three. Um, there were some really funny jokes in it. There were some jokes that definitely haven't aged well, but it's definitely a film made by someone who knows their horror because it's primarily um, sending up the original screen, which is weird because it's kind of a parody of a parody. But there are other scenes which are sending up other sort of films. So yeah. The Sixth Sense is certainly one in there. It actually sends up the Budweiser was up. Um, commercial because I was sat there thinking this is a weird thing. I was like, ah, no, the the, the was up commercial was probably about that same time, which is yeah. probably why they did that. There's a, there's it, it did amuse me as well that the screen mask that is worn in that film 
actually changes expression depending on what's going on. So when it's baffled, it kind of looks a little bit, you know, sad or something. And then they have a, a scene where it's completely stoned as well. And like its eyes are closed and its mouth is just smiling. Um, but th- they'll change it between cuts. So it's not even individual scenes that they'll, they'll have that. I mean, there's somebody, it's great talking about this one, but you can't really spoil it because the plot means absolutely nothing. But there's a scene where where someone's decapitated and the head just carries on talking. (laughs) It's like, oh, this is so predictable. You've decapitated me. (laughs) So so I did enjoy that. I don't know if I'm going to watch one, uh, like two to five. I think there's five scary movies overall. So it actually got to the point where scary movie had done more films than Scream. Um, but they haven't done one for about ten years, so I'm sure with the, these new screen films, though, they'll they'll do some more. Um, yeah, I like the I like the 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 the, the usual suspect ending. Yes, yeah, um, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it is a really funny film. I mean, like there there are so many jokes in it. You know, even if you you think it's a bit cheesy, it, it's it's definitely packed full of jokes. Um, cool. Does anybody want to talk about anything else before we do? A, we can do a spoilery bit on Scream Six. I mean, we could talk about Scream Six without sort of saying exactly what happens at the end, couldn't we? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I really enjoyed it. It's funny because when when Scream Five came out last year, someone had said to me about it, and I was just not interested. It was just not on my radar. And then having watched it. I really liked it. I do agree with what Richard said. Watching them all back to back, it feels like a lot. And particularly after Scream 3, I think going into Scream 4, I was like, is this a good idea? Um, but Scream 4 was much better than I remembered because I had seen that at the cinema. Um, and I do like, I like the way the original, because the original trilogy is primarily about slashers and that sort of meta textual thing on, on that genre. The fourth one is kind of a little bit more about social media, I think. Um, and then these new two are, are just about franchises generally, I think. So there's a whole speech in the new one about a bunch of franchises, and they're not horror franchises. They're all very well-known big IPs. And I think it's quite clever what they're, they're doing. I think it's the timing's like really right as well because we've got so many of these things, so many IPs, that it just feels like perfect that they've brought this back sure. at at this time and I think that's the other thing is this is run over like four decades but they've only done six films so it's not like the MCU where they're trotting out like four films a year it, it's they've been spread out um the only thing in six and I think you someone else it might be Richard touched on it with five certainly in six there's a character who survives something yeah, which is not survivable impossible impossible I I was glad that ca- I, I was gutted when that character seemed to die but when that character is back, I'm like, yeah. or has, has revealed to survive, you go, but they wouldn't have survived that. <laughs> oh, they just, oh. people, people can, people can and they do, but not a sustained thing like that. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And because basically, it's all good. I was just going to say that that kind of takes away part of the horror as well, because. Mm. If people, if you think, well, there's no jeopardy here because people get can get attacked and they'll just live the characters, then it, it it's not scary. I will say that someone I know said there was a really long trailer and I didn't see that, so I I wasn't aware of anything that happened. There's just a very short teaser that I've been seeing, which is genius, which is a scene on a subway. 
Oh, that's, like, an, that's an amazing out and, That's a great scene. And it, it's it's so simple, but it's very effective. That yeah. There's someone wearing the, the mask. It's Halloween, and you know everybody's got these masks on, so you don't know who could be the real, yeah, real yeah. ghost face. And then each time the lights go out, one of these figures gets a little bit closer each time, yeah. and it, it's very effective. That. Yeah, very effective. I, I really enjoy that, that scene. But yeah, I don't know. Do you think we can talk about a bit about spoilers or not? Yeah, I think you're bordering so, on so, spoilers. And I, if you want to talk about it with with spoilers, you should just say it. Okay, okay, good point. Okay, so I, I, because to address what James was just saying, I need to to address one spoiler. I wouldn't talk about the killer if you want, but about bad guy, for example, it's yeah, actually, yeah. That's that's the symbol of what I was mentioning is that even before this character survival makes no sense. When you think about the whole franchise, it's true that these people have been stabbed and shot so many times. Already Dewey mentioned this uh, before dying uh, in Scream 5, uh, uh, which is fine. Okay, uh, In that case of Dewey, if you take an example, that guy has been stabbed how many times, but at least across different movies. <laughs> so he's just very unlucky. But at the same time, very lucky because every time he survives, uh, you think that he's dead. Uh, but yeah, it's just that he's not consistent. Uh, there's no consistent, consistent, uh, constant uh, about how you kill someone in these movies. Because again, in Scream 6, is definitely clear. Uh, so this character we keep not mentioning is uh, Chad, I believe. He's kind of the uh, uh, a love interest of uh, Jenna Ortega uh, character. So this guy already should have died at the end of Scream 5, by the way. <laughs> this guy already, the way he was stabbed in, for me in Scream 5, I was very surprised he survived Scream 5. I said, all right, fair enough. Then we went into Scream 6, and then, so let's get into details of this, that scene that makes no sense to me, is that they are, they are running around this room, Jenna Ortega, her sister and him. And I'm guessing that the intention was that because he loves Jenna Ortega, he says he's going to sacrifice himself because he is kind of ambushed, um, of a lack of a better word, ambushed by two killers at that point who keeps stabbing, and I think I'm counting at least 12 times. <laughs> at least 12 times he's been stabbed uh, and the way actually that scene is shot even, and the way he acts, everybody, I'm sure that if you do a survey, everybody in the world who watches that scene is believing that he's going to die at that point. Because he says something like, uh, I don't know, I love you or something like that, or run away. Uh, like he, as I said, he, 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 in a way, they focus on me, so you have the time to run, etc. So it's so strange. I have no idea. Again, talking about behind the scenes, like Andrew was talking about writing process it would be interesting to see if it was the intention in the first place to have him survive die sorry and then they change their minds and say okay he's kind of a love interest of jenna ortega we might need him for next next movies so let's bring him back well uh, yeah i was gonna say well i was just gonna say briefly to that not so much with that character but uh, supposedly uh during the development that Campbell was attached, then she wasn't because of salary disputes or something. Yeah. So supposedly there were, and I remember hearing from one of the people involved that there were some rewrites 
because of her lack of involvement uh, or Sydney you know, character not being the film. So I'm kind of curious what the changes were, not just with regards to the character you're describing, but to another character where it looks like they're like a goner and then they're not. Yeah. And it's like, I wonder if it's something that changed because of Nev Campbell not being involved anymore, at least for this particular film. I don't know about the yeah. future. I think that this whole, this whole, um, new reboot did Fran, second part of the franchise. They just have assumed that they can revive anyone. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. from the very first scene, when it's the MCU. Jenna, Jenna, it's the MCU, yeah. yeah. Jenna Ortega, she, she is the first yeah. one in the, in the fifth film. She, she gets stabbed in her home and she seems to be she like survived. dead. And she yeah. survived. And from yeah, then on, she they could get anyone that had been stopped from from any other installment. And I think I think they made kind of a marketing, uh, some kind of uh, survey or something <laughs> like which characters do you did you like the most, or which actors do you think are going to be big stars? <laughs> and they oh were yeah, like, it's this like that one character who returns to this one. film. Yeah, yeah. Was a character yeah, Kirby, Kirby is definitely Kirby. dead. In Hayden Panther, yeah, but she's back in in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's a spoiler and what's not a spoiler. But there are two. I mean, spoiler alert, because I'm gonna say it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. The, the two, the brother and sister. I think they they are very good actors, and they yeah. and they are both back. I mean, they they they. They bet on Jenna Ortega, on Melissa Barrera, on this uh, Mason Gooding, on the other girl who is now also in Yellow Jackets. And I think the four of them are very good and are going to be stars and everything. So it's it's only logical to just get them along for the ride as much as they can. Yeah. I think with the um, the Neve Campbell thing, so yeah, it was a salary dispute, wasn't it? Um, the directors have said it hasn't changed the script now that doesn't make sense because the, <laughs> if if her not taking part hasn't changed the script then she she was in the film but they gave her no scenes originally do you know what yeah because I, mean? like, I heard the like, opposite from someone else was involved so that's kind of weird that he... I I think what what um almost certainly would have been the case in in the original script is that her role would have been stripped down and certainly Courtney Cox's role is is basically one sequence in the middle even though she is top because they have this weird billing thing on it as well. When you watch the end credits, they put everyone in alphabetical order and it's only at the end of screen five. I realize they then go with David Arquette, Courtney Cox and Eve Campbell. And they kind of give them like a, a with and billing right at the end. And they do the same with Courtney Cox here. But when you watch the cast list scroll up, Courtney Cox is billed top. Now she's definitely not the protagonist. Um, In, in this film, in in the Scream 5, and I did put that in the chat, I think, Richard, when we were talking about this, I said I was quite impressed that in Scream 5, the first half hour, there's no legacy characters, as they call them, and I was completely engaged. And it's literally about 30 minutes in that you get Dewey back for the first time. So it, it's they're definitely doing that in the that one, but particularly towards the end of Scream 5, you get... You know, Neve Cat. It's like the you know that Neve Campbell and Courtney Cox back kicking ass, and and it's it's very much just as much their film as it it is the new characters. 
this all feels like Courtney Cox is just in in that bit because they needed to have a legacy character. Um, so I don't I don't think what I don't know what Neve Campbell would have done. It's certainly disrespectful to her as as like an actress who's been in it for for years, if, if that's the case. Um, but it's strange because I thought, how is this going to play without her in it? Because as someone who hasn't watched these films over and over again, I kind of think of Courtney Cox as the main star because she's the most famous. But it's definitely Sydney Prescott is the main <laughs> character. You know, she's yeah. the Ripley. Or yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but but in actual fact, what they say in this film makes more sense. That the killer is on the rampage again, and she's gone into hiding. Like, why hasn't she done that? Like from screen two on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what she tried to do in the third film, but it didn't yeah. work out too well. So, yeah. I guess. yeah. So, but yeah. this is this is part of the. I've seen this as a criticism of some of these films as well. That they say, oh, you know, people don't do, don't react like people would in real life. But in all these films, they all run back to uh, the same neighborhood and get get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually something that I joked around with a colleague of mine. I say. My God, I'm watching this screen marathon this week, and I said, "But now we are still in the fourth one, and there are still people living in Woodsboro. Why? Yeah. Are there still, why yeah. are there still people yeah. living in Woodsboro? <laughs> because that's where the real estate yeah. has yeah. to return. The killer asked for Sydney. Sydney, come back, please. It's a curse city. I'm guessing that the maybe the price of, of the of the of the houses must be so low. But that's what oh, it was yeah. saying, but. <laughs> I they think as well, although the sequence, the sequence on the subway in Scream 6 is fantastic, yes. I think if you lived in Woodsboro, right, and that was consistently happening, they would say, that mask is banned, right? You're not allowed to wear that mask anymore. Yeah, Anyone exactly. caught wearing that mask is getting nicked. End yeah. of story. Yeah. But everybody's out, and the, the, the tension is who is wearing this for a joke and who is actually actually the killer. Yeah. I, I also thought that Courtney Cox was given a, a more meaty role than in other, in other films of the screen franchise this time because of not having Sidney Prescott. Every, all, the, all the dialogue that he, she has with the killer while on the phone, it's really good this time. Like it's it's, a, it's a, also taking into account everything that has happened with her. You, it's, a, it's, it's more about her and the other films where she was just like, oh, the reporter that nobody wants around, but she's there and she's smart. And this time it's like, yeah. why, why you weren't the protagonist, huh? You were always like, around, but this time, are you not hurt by not being, the film's not being about you, being about Sydney, something like that. Well, because the fact that Dewey has been killed and obviously they're married in, in the films, eventually in Scream 4, I think they're married, and then they're divorced by five, and that their relationship has paralleled what's happened. So that did they, they must have met on the set of Scream 1. Um, they then are married. I don't know if it's by the time Scream 3 comes along. I think Scream 4, in real life, they were separated, but it wasn't public, so they filmed that together, and they've got a child together in real life. Um, but in Scream 5, there's a conversation when they're talking about, the characters are talking about their failed marriage, and obviously the actors are, are now divorced, and that's, I found that a little bit odd to watch. I felt like I was sort of intruding on someone's private life in that sequence, because it's, it's all very well when it's sort of like the early days, and it, it's a bit like a rom-com, are these characters going to get together? But when they're 
kind of looking back on the the you know mistakes and stuff it feels a little bit little bit close to the bone but i mean they both agreed to to do it and maybe you know the things that they're saying aren't aren't true of the real cap the real people so um but courtney cox is i mean in in scream six i think i'll sort of say this in as as unspoilery a way as possible but people know what i mean like you kind of think, well, this she's the only legacy character coming back and they're making a big thing about things moving on. So in the, the lead up to the section that we get, I'm thinking this is Courtney Cox's last film in this right. franchise. Uh, yeah. I thought, I so, so the terror and the horror in that the sequence that we get, it feels very real because I'm feeling she's not going to get out of what happens. And then, you know, we get the sequence and and that so that was my feeling and that's another another part of the film where it feels like they wanted to do something and then they kind of maybe changed their minds a little yeah. bit yeah, uh, yeah and i don't know how how good that is that actually reminds me of like going into avengers endgame and feeling they were making such a big thing about this being the end and i thought but is it are they gonna they're gonna say they're gonna bump off characters and then they won't they'll, they'll backtrack and i was kind of impressed that they did follow through with that you know and i think if you've got a franchise you don't want to get to the point where you just don't believe that you know people are going to get stabbed 50 times and then they'll just be in the next sequel i don't think it's a i don't think that's going to do it any any right you want there to it be doesn't benefit people. anybody i don't think yeah so that way you become more vested i was actually yeah. thinking of another franchise recently which i'm not going to spoil because it's a different franchise but you know sort of like are they going to make it or aren't they and you know so yes. but yeah you see stuff happen and you want to get like vested and then it's sort of like you feel cheated if they're like oh but they somehow survived um yeah and uh I think it also goes back to the requel thing that they talk about in the previous film. The idea that you want to focus on new characters, but then you just bring in the legacy characters sort of like for the climax. <clears throat> that happened sort of with the, the more recent Star Wars trilogy and then Ghostbusters. So I guess they kind of did that with Scream 5 and maybe a little bit of Scream 6 sort of, but I think it, it it's kind of one of the things that made it interesting the whole meta thing to the idea of like this is like a new thing to do something where you want to focus you want to do it in the same continuity you focus on new characters but then to bring in for the fan service in the, in the family friendly sense you know bring in the legacy characters so they say hi they're from the other film or they're from the previous film you know get all excited so uh, I guess they tried to do that with this film a little bit, you know, Courtney Cox and then Kirby, I guess, which kind of made people go, hmm. So, um, but uh, I don't know where we would go from here if it's like, you know, what's the next big thing after a requel? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh, do, you mean gen- do you mean generally or in terms of this franchise? Just both. Generally. Well, so the meta, it's both. Actually, I mean, the, the thing I, I really hate the term torch pass, it, it does my head in because I think it, yeah, it, I, I hate it, but it's not a torch pass if you just keep the legacy characters going anyway. 
because you're not passing the torch, you're hanging on to it. So well, this idea of torch passing, but constantly having the legacy characters. I think I'm more invested in the new new characters. I mean, there's not many of the old characters remaining in the screen now, but I think Jenny Artigo, I've not really seen anything. I know a lot of you have watched her in Wednesday and things. Oh, X, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. In, in, in X, yeah, which is fantastic. And and right, I've got I've got to do. This. But she also so, did some Pearl, Disney stuff. Pearl has yeah. finally come out in the UK, Andrew, and it's brilliant. It's so oh, right. Well, she, she's not so in. Good. Though, but yeah, we we got it like. Yeah, nearly eight months later. It's a prequel. I had no expectations or anything yeah. of it. And it, it's so good. It's like a, it's sort of the same tone, but a completely different movie. And Mia Goth is fantastic. And yeah, really, really recommended, recommend that as a horror. Um, I think yeah. right now, um, what is going to happen in the next installment is like if in the first of the requel, they were in Wattsboro. In the second of the requel, they are a university and they are following Scream 1 and Scream 2. What's going to be Scream uh, 7? Yeah. I guess it's going to be Scream 3, but how are they going to do it? Are they going to be doing TikToks? Or are they going to be, well, be doing <laughs> Well, I mean, like, are they going to do what they originally going to be about? And have like a cult, or does that mean they go back to Hollywood? I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I uh, think uh, Scream 3 didn't work. So, well, that's gonna... because they didn't uh, do what they originally wanted, which is the cult thing. They had to change it because of the real life. Well, maybe, uh, maybe they'll actually do that. Maybe now enough time has passed that they'll think they can do that. I think if they're the smart, meeting, yeah. what they'll do is try and do a concluding chapter to that trilogy. So, using those characters. I mean, maybe the reason Chad keeps surviving. Is that this is all some part of his master plan somehow? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how he survived because this is the thing that goes back to Scream One that the love interest is apparently stabbed, but then it's turns true. around and says it's catch up. And stuff. well, I think they also want the thing as well that if you get stabbed continuously, but it's always in the same wound, it doesn't. It's just like <laughs> you're stabbed once, you know. Yeah. But it's very yeah. unlikely, isn't it? <laughs> I think they also want to do something with the whole. Uh... I guess, um, is it Sam or Tara is the daughter of uh, Billy? Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. like that, the, like the, idea the she's going to follow in her father's uh, Yeah, I, I do stuff. really like that because the f- going into Screen 5, there was a constant tension, I felt, of it's going to be her. She's uh, This is all in her mind, I was thinking. So it's going to be a thing where she's doing this but blocking it out or something. And I like that she sits. She seems to be at war. She's she is definitely Billy Loomis's daughter, and she has these visions of him. Presumably, either Skeet, what's his name, Skeet Ulrich, the actor, either yeah. he moisturizes or he's digitally de-aged because he he looks really good. I, I have an idea. So uh, you know that I love theories. For people who know me, I love theories. So that's my theory that indeed Scream Seven will be uh, whatever her name of the actress is, the older brother or sister of Jenna Ortega will be the killer, but actually there will be a mastermind, so there will be a second killer the, who actually is in a wheelchair, and that's Stu, because there's a theory online of Stu, the guy from the first movie, who is still, still alive for some reason, and, but he is too much injured, so he cannot kill people, literally, so manipulating mm-hmm. her to becoming the real new Billy Loomis, and she does become Ghostface for most of the movie, but then there's a redemption arc where actually she kills Stu and then dies with him. 
And that's the end of the trilogy. Right, Richard, I don't think they're going to Can you, can you start trilogy. actually writing some of these down? Because you're writing better ideas than I'm seeing. I, I think that was <laughs> one of the things they originally wanted to do for Scream 3. Not that specifically, but ah. some general concept. That's the thing they originally wanted, but again, the whole Columbine thing. So maybe because if they do be, something like that. Because like, there, is, there is a shot in Scream 6 when they when uh, if the FBI and girl and uh, the guy who actually becomes the killer at the end uh, look at the wall and they look at all the killers, there is a picture of Stu and they de- oh, it's a stupid uh, thing, but they mention I think every single killer of the past years, but not him. But there is a shot at him. So I wonder if it's not like a, a kind of uh, foreshadowing. I think the one person that they haven't talked about much, but they have brought her up sometimes is the mother of of like Billy. But she's dead. She's dead. She's dead. Yeah, Scream yeah. Two. Yeah, she's one of the killers. Scream Two. Her and uh, that guy Mickey. Yeah. Oh, okay, that was the mother. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where's another mother? I read it on Twitter. Sorry. Another mother. It's, another mother. Another mother from another person. Maybe it's the mother of her. Of, of well, that gets into Mili- spoilers. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the mother left then, so yeah. You mean Sydney's mother? Uh, no, no, the mother of uh, Jane Ortega in the Milita thingy. That's what you're talking about, Alfonso, right? Oh, no. yeah, that's right. She like left or something. Yeah. Yeah, one of them. One of them. I don't know who it was. Yeah. Her or, or, or her sister. Um, yeah. Can I say uh, also a, spoil, a spoiler alert about sex? How yeah. can you not research everyone's relatives from? Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially in the yeah. modern, especially not? if they're like a, a certain public figure type, you would think yeah. it'd be obvious. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your freaking roommate. Especially and if you have a certain type of job. <laughs> you think of that particular yeah. job that would be like an important thing to research yeah and it happens so many times but as I said before except for maybe one movie every time it is the killer is related to either Sidney Prescott or Bay Loomis so in that case you can think okay maybe he's related to the new guy of the last well, time well see in, in Scream 3 at least you could get by because IMDB was sort of like relatively new so they maybe didn't actually know <laughs> but like <laughs> in that context, but like for a screen six, like you'd think for someone who's like of a certain job, it would be like a requirement to say, okay, this person's in that job because of, or to do certain things for that job because of their connection. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if you have person who has died, who was the killer of the other movie, how can you not know their family? Ah, Jason yeah. is, is here. Been around in the background. Um, <laughs> I haven't Jason, seen Five or Six. Have so turned I up in a screen mask and like revealed who you were. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was almost tempted. Yeah, yeah. But Scream itself it kind of became its genre in itself because you know it was it was at a time when slasher movies needed some reinvention. They were so exhausted. You'd had you know the. Uh, Freddy Krueger franchise and the kind of like Jason Halloween. but then he kind of like even though he created those those era those eras of iconic killers he this was a kind of almost a reinvention of that genre where 
and it spawned, like you mentioned before, screaming and everything else like that. So it became the, you know, which allowed it to survive the next 10, 20 years, I suppose. You know? Yeah, and, and everything that it influenced. We said Final Destination was was sort of a, a similar comedic horror thing, wasn't it, that lasted, was there like five or six of those? Um, there was that, but there was also uh, J-horror was like a thing for a time, or at least to do, uh, I guess, English language or American remakes of like The Grudge and Ring. Yeah. Because it came so self-aware that it can like those where people knew the rules of killing, like Final Destination, even that, like, people knew what the rules were, or they, they figured it out. It wasn't some, you know, um, unimaginable horror, and you just, you know, just poor teenagers running for their lives, but it was, here are the rules of the game, and this is what you expect to happen, and either happens or it doesn't. Uh, I think the satirical aspect as well, with these films being over a long period of time, there's if when there's a gap there's new things in the world to to talk about so we were saying like the originals are about the slashes that preceded them the new ones are kind of about franchises in general the fourth one we were saying was about social media but andrew's just reminded me there's another kind of gag in the fourth one where kirby is asked what remake of a an 80s film and she just blurts out a ton because it was that point in the noughties where they seem to remake all the classic horrors of the 80s, 70s and 80s, but in that kind of Eli Roth, Hostel, Saw sort of style, they all looked really sort of... Torture porn. Brown and... That, yeah, that... They like all sort of 13th that. and... Uh, but yeah. And she reels off, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare they yeah. had reboots by that point. Because you know? yeah. <clears throat> we, we've seen so many of... Of killings over the the decades, it's it can't help but lean into kind of like being self-aware or just comedic and everything like that. But to take it seriously, I think in American cinema it's hard to because it's so there's so much of a history to it now. The audiences are very savvy. Oh, it's like this, or it's a clone of this. Um, but I, I did think, I, I did think in six there was a couple of bits like even in the opening sequence where they kind of play on your expectations. Um, so the very first opening sequence doesn't entirely play out how you think it's going to play out. That's all I'll say. I'll be deliberately vague, but the, there's a way and they also have uh, progress and they do something where you go, yeah. Oh, okay. And then they sort of flip on that. Yeah. yeah and you think I it's going to go one way and then it's like, Oh, okay. But that we're not doing that. Yeah. And and actually, in in five, I've just I will have to watch five again because I was really impressed with it. Um, there's a bit where they keep doing that that thing, and it's always very effective. Of you know, the music heightens, someone's on their own, someone goes into the fridge, and then the fridge closes, and the killer's always behind the door, aren't they? And this this character keeps going back to the fridge, and <laughs> it never happens. They keep like luring you, thinking that's going to happen. There's even a bit where. I think the killer set Ghostface is saying like, like in that film Psycho and the characters in the shower and they shoot the next sequence like Psycho, all the same shots and the character doesn't die, but it puts you in that frame of mind. Like, Oh, I know what's going to happen. And then they deliberately don't do it, but yeah. it, it's not like that breaks the tension. It just keeps it going. Cause you know, something's going to happen eventually, but it's, it's Sub- so it's, it's really meta that, that they're kind of going like, right, this is what people expect. So we're deliberately not going to do it. 
Yeah, it's 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 integral to the franchise. Subverting your expectations is what they have to do in each chapter. Yeah, because and they, talking they, about it, <laughs> explaining uh, it. Yeah, in Scream Four, they also have the opening where it's like, oh, you think you know you're watching something and something's going to happen, but then something does happen, but it turns out it's actually part of like. A movie or something? Isn't it a film a within show, a film within a film within, within a film? film, film the stars, and they're all like featuring like yeah, the different yeah. celebrities or semi celebrities. So great. it's sort of like okay, now they're just messing with everyone. So yeah, there is there is a nice thing in five as well with um one of the characters because uh, that's the first one after Wes Craven died. Uh, five, isn't it? So a character dies called Wes in the film. And when they toast and say four ways, apparently all the, the voices you hear are cast members from other Wes Craven films that all dub their voice over. So it kind of doubles up as a, a tribute for the character, but also a tribute for Wes Craven. I think that's that's quite a nice little Easter egg. Wow. Okay. Um, right. Well, thanks, James. I'll start recording if there's anything else. Well, thank you for joining us on the Film and TV Review.com podcast. <laughs> All right, then. All right. Thanks, James, for that. And that was our Scream special at Film and TV Review. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed this Film and TV Review.com episode. Catch the latest Film and TV Reviews together with regular episode content from the world of Film and TV every week. See you soon. Would you like to reach our film and TV review podcast audience? Do you have a product or service of interest to film and TV home consumers or followers of the entertainment industry? Have a film or show production to publicize? For affordable price plans for all budgets, get in touch and find out about our introductory advertising options. Reach our audience of film and TV viewers and visit our site contact page at filmandtvreview.com or you can email us at business at filmandtvreview.com. Reach out today.